any movie that names a character Ilsa gets an immediate pass from me. If we would have had a daughter, I would have probably named her Ilsa. She-Wolf of the Weavers. Oh, I get it. Sex jokes. Do you like my new bathing suit? I need some SBF 50 on my back. Whole bag of bagels gone. They're, they're gone. I'm getting another bagel. Make your bagel and go upstairs. Something ate those bagels. Let me tell you about... Keep the door open three inches. I know. Keep it open. Morning! Mm. Uh, how's your egg McGriddle or whatever? Mm. Uh-huh. Oh, that's a busy morning. Oh. That's a busy. Mmm. Oh, let me choke this dry ass blueberry muffin or bagel with cream cheese. <laughs> I'm guessing getting the kids out the door, or... Uh-uh. <sighs> uh, it was a busy morning for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, do I even want to know, or no? It's not even that interesting. Just... No. Just normal. Normal day. Just... Ugh. I'm so hungry. I know we need oh, to get on with the show, but I'm so hungry. <laughs> oh, and I mean, I uh, I ate like an hour and a half ago. I'm actually uh, kind of almost getting mid-morning, like, munchies. Oh, breakfast too. Yeah, I, yeah, second breakfast, which generally consists of uh, a couple bites of cake or a cookie or... Uh, uh-huh. Yep. That. Oh, we're starting it off awkward, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) Slowly grinding down some food over there. Would you have it any other way? Uh, Processing some carb and protein paste down into your guts. (laughs) Well, thanks for making it gross. Now I feel like a fat slob. (laughs) (laughs) I just imagine this off-color brown, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> room temperature sludge that <laughs> it's very good oh it just kind of just just to get a, a substance into your intestines mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that you can so that you can continue existing mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. that's basically like any any trip to the airport that's what happens at the airport <laughs> is you ingest things to make you continue existing an expensive, expensive sludge. Mm. Good cream cheese. Almost done. Oh, go ahead and bitch. Oh, oh, oh great, perfect. Um, mm. um, the kids are into matchbox cars right now, so they like to go and smash them up against anything in the house. Thus... Damaging both the little matchbox cars and the house. Um, uh, so there's that. That's great. Um, I'm back in the office, obviously, so I'm just looking uh-huh. at the non-yard that the neighbors won't put in so that whenever it dumps rain here in 
blessed Ohio, just all of their dirty shit just melts out into the cul-de-sac here. And you're kind of over on our area. It's like, it's obviously they don't give a shit. Um, which makes me, well, yeah, you know the drill. Uh, anger. Makes you violent, happy. Violent, oh, just evil rage. Whatever. Um, so there's that. Um, oh, what else? It's, um, hmm. <sighs> Yum. Uh, what else? <laughs> Work stuff is okay. Uh, that's fine. Very fine. <laughs> Week weekend was the you know, best part of best by far part of my weekend was watching Crawl with Steve. That was like the pinnacle. Like that was the that was the Disney World trip right there of my weekend. Um, I, I, it might have been the best part of my weekend too. That that you went and watched that with Steve. That, that's, how, that's how good my weekend was. It was, <laughs> was something you did my, vicariously I heard about. Oh, I don't know. I sure... Ooh, my Sunday, I probably <laughs> yeah, had you beat. <laughs> my, uh, my Sunday was probably at least better than yours because I was just painting and doing house stuff. So sick oh, of house stuff. Oh, I would have... I would have happily... Happily treated you that and maybe even a stomach flu. <laughs> <laughs> I told but. you that's the only way you're going to get out of it. Yep, but <laughs> nope, nope. So yeah, there's there's that. Um, I mean, yeah. I could literally, I could literally complain about. Nah, uh, nah, we're, we're not getting into that. Boys, quiet, silence. I just told him be quiet, and yeah. One of our episodes needs to be called Boys Dot 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 Quiet. Because <laughs> every episode you say that. <laughs> yeah, and, and just like every day of my life, they don't listen. They're like, oh, Dad said a thing. I'm going to immediately yeah. ignore that. Yeah, and do what he said yeah. not to do. Yeah. yeah. But, oh, I could I could literally spend probably an hour and a half bitching about where we live. But, eh, what's the point? Yep. Just makes me angry. Ah, yeah, you picked it. What are you yeah. going to do? Yeah, it was my own fault. It was literally this was my doing. I'm part of the problem, you know, Eugene, is that you don't consult me on these things. I'm your life consultant, and you're supposed uh, to consult me on these things, and and you don't. You're like, hey, want to come see my new house? I'm like, oh, I didn't even know you were moving or building, or and you're like, yeah, here yeah. it is, and I'm like, this is a bad idea. No, and it was... yeah, you just you, in the future when you're when you're planning on relocating or building, just just. Run it by Consult. somebody, you know, huh? and I'll be oh, like, hey, did cause... you think about this? And you'll be like, holy shit, I didn't think about maybe not living in my neighbor's lap. No, oh, I know. And it's just, oh, it's just, it's the dog, the whole thing with the dog coming back to its vomit. Like, yeah. just I barf and then I go away and then I have to come back and smell it and eat it. <laughs> and I don't know how that metaphor applies to here, but it does. It truly does. Oh, well, I can explain how. We're having this conversation right now. You're going to move in the future and not say a word about it. You'll already be moved into your place. <laughs> This, this is, and all of a sudden we'll start podcasting and there'll be a new environment yeah, in the like, background. What's with the red room instead of the blue room? And you'll be like, oh, like, I, oh we moved I, to California. Yeah, did you know? And I'll be like, oh, shit. <laughs> Have you considered this? And you're like, ah, oh, damn it. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, that, uh, moving back to Ohio, that was the mother of all bad ideas. I don't know that that was necessarily the bad decision. Just the location mm. was not. Yeah, the location. Yeah. yeah. You could have done better there. Yeah. 
definitely. I actually, the highlight of where we live right now is is the close proximity to Tinseltown and everything. Karate. Everything? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it is close to the highway and stuff. I just, uh, I didn't, I didn't want to be on continuous dates with <laughs> riffraff. Anyway, <laughs> uh, it's just a. Yep. Yep. Uh, bitch. Sush. Oh, so your week, I'm, I'm curious about your weekend though. How, because you didn't really explain how your weekend was. Like, I just, <sighs> work. Summertime, dude. I hate summertime. <laughs> I know you love it. I know everybody else loves it. I hate it. I, I mean, I hate it. I, I walk outside and I breathe and my throat closes up from allergies and my entire body sweats. I, like, like, through my clothes, instantly, within five minutes. I'm just, bing, completely sopping wet through my clothes. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, look, I'm not in the best shape, but I'm not, like, so out of shape that, <sighs> I'm, I'm not that. I, I just, I'm fine. I'm here. I, what happened? I took five steps and, huh, why do you need a diaper? And why are you soaking <laughs> through all of your clothes? Because I, I can't, my body can't with the heat. And, yeah. What was it out, this out. last winter or the winter last three winters? I don't think I wore a coat one time. I wore a long sleeve T-shirt and I wore my work hoodie, and that was it for the for almost the entire winter. There's a few days where I wore some coveralls and and a coat or whatever for work. Other than that, nah, I was good. Any, anything that's like uh, twenty degrees, I'm fine. Ooh. I just I I don't know. The older I get, the more I can't. Unless it's it's. Unless I'm, uh, it's just a work thing. If I'm not working, if I'm, if I'm in Florida on vacation and I can wear shorts and a t-shirt and yeah. flip-flops, I'm good. I'm fine. It doesn't matter that it's 90 degrees and humid and whatever. We're going to the pool. We're going to the beach. I'm, that's fine. But. You're drinking. Yeah. It's, we're just hanging out. It's all good. But most of the time when I'm here, it's, I'm working or I'm outside that I got to do some shit because it's it's nice out. Let's get the siding painted or oh, fucking I hate summer so much. Uh, I hate it up here. Yeah, and I'm I the older I get the more I I loathe the winters here and I'm like, "Oh, you dumbass. You used to live in Florida and now you're here where the oh, when the depression sets in and the yeah, anyway. It's me, that's me in the summer. The, the depression thing. Yeah. With, I, I, it, there's that's so damn man. much shit that I have to do to just maintain property. I, I, yeah. <laughs> we gotta get out there and mow every week and you gotta mow over here every week and you gotta get that weed eating done while well, you can't mow everything on the rider that we now got. So you gotta push mow this. Oh, I fucking hate it. I hate it. Uh, pave the yes. world and give me winter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. Yep. And for me, I could just... 90 degrees year-round, baby. Oh, fuck that. Yeah. Give me, a, give me, a, give me like 60 degrees year-round. I'd, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Now, I could... Yeah, actually, 60 up to 90 year-round, I could live with that. I could literally live with 60 degrees year-round. I could do that. It's just... It's the really cold, and then the like. Even the, even cold, I'm okay with. It's the shitty weather, like the continuous drizzle, rain, icy slush. I I hate that. Uh, it, it's like the the bowels of my soul hate that. <laughs> See, and I know I'm the minority, but 
I see that, and I'm like, oh, you mean I don't have to go outside, and, you know, the kids can't yeah. go outside, and I, you know, because if the kids are outside, then I have to go outside and mm-hmm. stand there and watch them play, but if we got that kind of weather, oh, we gotta be inside? Okay, kids, here's the TV, and you're, I'll be in my office, watch movies, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. I understand. Oh, I've been up since 4 a.m., by the way, so there's that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, are you ready to talk about movies? <laughs> yep. I'm Eric. And I'm Eugene. And here's the roulette. It's time to spin the wheel of the movie roulette. We dive in the ocean cinema and try and find those gems in the rough. Fuck summer to death. You're up. Okay. <laughs> On this episode of the roulette, it is first reformed up against Nightmare Cinema. Uh, you're up first, sir. Nightmare Cinema. Nightmare Cinema from 2018 or 19. It's a new movie. Uh, uh, this is an anthology movie. From, I believe, producer McGarris. So, red flags up all over the place, however. This is a really good movie. Really? Yo, this was fun. Uh, Alejandro Ruga? Something like that. He, um, sure. Yeah, he did some, uh, he has some credits under his name. One of the Dead. Which I've never seen. ABCs of Death Part 2. He did a segment for that. Uh, Joe Dante did a segment. Mick Garris did his own segment. Uh, Ryu Kitamura did a segment. Ooh, that's my man right there. Yep. And David Slade, who is a great director. He did 30 Days of Night. Uh, and Bandersnatch from, um, ah, he's a good director. Uh, from, um, I'm not sure where I was going with that. It's the morning. Uh, yeah, David Slade. He's a great director. Anyway, so there you go. There was uh, not one of these that I did not like. I actually liked every single short story. And usually there's one that is, man, there were some that weren't quite as good as others, but they were all really good. Uh, the I think the first one was my favorite, which is a slasher in the woods type of thing, but it flips it on its uh, it's it's completely not what you're expecting, and I loved that. Loved that. Mickey Rourke is... So basically, I guess I should explain what the actual wraparound story is. There's an old movie theater in the middle of a deserted town or whatever, and um, these just every now and then a passerby will happen upon this theater and be drawn to the theater. Like, oh, I have to go in here. And Mickey Rourke is the projectionist, and he, you know, spouts off these, not one-liners, but just, you know, you know why you're here, and here's why, or something like. That. And then you, we watch the tale unfold on the screen, and it's a cool, it's a cool way to, you know, to have the wraparound story because it's always interesting how these anthologies, how will they go about having a wraparound story? And I thought that this one worked quite well with Mickey Rourke as just projectionist, and there was a couple of great gory bits in it. It was uh, actually the one from I think. David Slade, I think his was, uh, there's a black and white segment in it. That's the one. And it was just creepy and didn't make much sense, but in a, like, in a good way. It was like, you just are watching the crazy visuals. Um, there's one where there's a demonic presence in this church where this priest and a nun were fucking around. And, oh, cool. Joe Dante's segment was the slasher one. Um... And even, like I said, even Mick Garris, uh, which one did Mick Garris do? The, uh, so he did the projectionist, he did the wraparound story, and then he also did another one called 
dead, which I believe, yeah, that was the one where the kid could see dead people in the hospital. Um, anyway, it gets a big thumbs up from me. I think you should check it out in October. I cannot imagine that you're not going to enjoy at least half of the short stories. And it was two hours long, never bored. The whole way through, like, keep, keep them coming. I like these. In fact, I, I sat through two episodes of the new Jordan Peele Twilight Zone. And that was it. Like, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I didn't know that this was is, out already. What's it on? Uh, it's, uh, yeah. Baby Jesus supplied it for me. <laughs> now, I, I, I understand you probably got it in a certain fashion, but how, what was it on? I mean, like, it, it, where is um, it? Is it on CBS? That I think access? it might be on, yeah, all access. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I go, I want to see that. Is this good enough to buy on Blu-ray? <laughs> nope. Really? Nope. Mm. Oh, I mean, there was the, uh, Oh, whatever the, the old one was with William Shatner, Terror at 30,000 Feet or whatever it was called, with him seeing the Gollum thing or the Grumbling thing on the wing. Yeah. Which was... Gr- Snore. That, that was good, but this one here, oh, that one was... That was okay, and then I watched another one where a uh, a black mother and her son are trying to get to his college, and there's this racist cop that is continually after them, and they time continues to rewind. It went on... Forever, no pun intended. It it just went on and on and on, and I'm like, this felt like a 20 minute episode, and they drug it out to like 50 minutes at least. It was so damn boring, and just and then heavy handed in the end. And after that, I'm like, no, nope, I'm good, I'm good. Anyway, back to Nightmare City. No, nope, big thumbs up. Nope. Again, it's not Nightmare City. Damn it. Ah. <laughs> oh, the whole Robert Pattinson all over again. Uh, Nightmare Cinema. It's Nightmare Cinema. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, on my side, First Reformed. Oops, there we go. From 2017. A minister of a small congregation in upstate New York. Small, that's, yeah, small. <laughs> Non-existent would be the better word. Uh, grapples with mounting despair brought on by tragedy, worldly concerns, and a tormented past. And you've been highly recommending this one. It's nearly two hours. Written and directed by Paul Schrader, and it was, it very much felt like a Paul Schrader film. Uh, it's good. I'm gonna give it a thumbs up. Overall. Uh, but... Did I enjoy it? Uh, I enjoyed the majority of it. The ending... uh, The ending left me down a bit. Because it's... Interpretational? Can we say that? Yeah, I think so. Okay. A bit of a question mark there. Also, I didn't didn't quite... Man, it's hard to talk about this without getting into spoilers, but I guess we're going to get into spoilers for First Reformed. If you haven't seen it yet, then... You might want to skip ahead a little bit. I, 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 his, his jump there at the end, I didn't, it was still kind of a big leap for me. Like, I understood some of what he was going through emotionally, but what was his initial plan? He's going to bomb people? Why? I think just, it's work, I have to take it. Just hang on. Back to Eugene. I'm going to try to review a movie while he's um, yapping on the phone about work. Uh, the Beast in Heat. So, The Beast in Heat 
uh, is from 1975, and it is directed by... Oh, wait, nope, that's not the right one. That's The Beast. I'm, there it is, The Beast in Heat. Um, this is from 1977, directed by Luigi Batzella. A uh, beautiful, nefarious, senior female SS officer doctor creates a genetic mutant human beast. The beast is a rapacious, squat, mongoloid sex fiend, <laughs> which she uses to torture and molest female prisoners while the Nazis watch. Um, so that's, it's actually, it's act, can you just go to another room while I review this movie? Because I can hear you, you talking, but your headphones aren't on. Ah, bastard. So anyway. So it's actually two movies. I guess there was another, like a prisoner escape or like an adventure movie. So they sliced in scenes from that movie into this thing where it's basically set in one room where this disgusting looking, uh, hairy, hairy, very hairy dude is just, just railing chicks. Um, it's, it's in such, such poor taste, yet it's, it's kind of, not gripping. Uh, what's the right word I'm looking for here? It's 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 amusing in its own silly sort of way. Like it's 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 so tasteless and in like they're really really trying to offend, but at the same time it's like yeah, this is kind of cheesy. So it's okay, um, but none of it really adds up and works that good because there is another movie that was sliced you know, spliced into this thing here. So together they just. Um, they don't work at all together, but yet they do because that's what these movies are all about. In fact, on the special features on this Severin Blu-ray, there is a 90-minute documentary on uh, Nazi exploitation, and they go over literally every Nazi exploitation movie I think that it was ever made. Uh, obviously, heavily dealing with the Ilsa movies, which are my favorites of this whole subgenre, but there was a lot of other ones that I've never heard of before. Uh, which I want to seek out now. So, um, this movie here was also known as SS Hellcamp. Um, let's see, I have, okay, yeah, some other ones that they talk about are the Gestapo's Last Orgy, which I did see. Um, oh, what else did we, there was one that they were, uh, a Bruno Matai movie. Uh, and it, I, I remember seeing it on VHS and it was so nasty and, oh, hardcore, like, depressing. Uh, I don't believe that it's ever been released outside of VHS, which is too bad because man, I would buy the hell out of that. Um, okay, now I gotta answer a text. Uh, this is just, just fantastic podcasting here. He's on the phone about work and I'm yapping about Nazi exploitation and now I'm texting. Uh, that's fine. Okay, so the boys are playing video games right now. Okay, got it. Okay, uh, back to, um, what else can I talk about? Um, Nazi exploitation, peace. Oh, so, okay, so, um, the highlight of the movie, uh, surprisingly is not the actual beast that is in heat. The most surprising thing, or the most, the most entertaining thing about this movie is the Ilsa ripoff lady that, uh, that is in this. She is great. Her name is, actually her, her real name is Ma- Macha Magal. She's Dr. Ellen Cratch, I think. But, oh, she is so over-the-top, gloriously evil, uh, d- dialing Ilsa up to an 11, if there is such a thing. Uh, but, 
Uh, it's just funny seeing, you know, all the guards in the movie. You can just tell immediately they're Italian and it's just, it just drips with Italian 70s pasta, marinara, beast and heatiness. <sighs> okay. I, I gotta quit talking about that movie. Okay. So the beast and heat is done. Thumbs up. Kind of. Um, oh, what else should I talk about? Oh, and the, the, um, the documentary on that movie is called Fascism on a Thread. The Strange Story of Nazi Exploitation Cinema. I gave that four stars, actually. And the Beast and Heat movie, I actually gave uh, two and a half. And that is being so incredibly generous. Um, yeah, but the, fas- the fascism, fascism documentary, that should be... Uh, for people that are interested in, in just the, the underbelly of grindhouse cinema of the 70s whatever that is I don't want to say essential viewing but eh, it's essential viewing it's good Christ I wish you'd get off the phone oh I hope he put some of his work talk stuff in Uh, now I'm going to have to review another movie great great um. Oh, what else did I watch? Oh, should I talk about the gay clown rape porn thing? Oh, that was awful. Just awful. Um, I gave, I did give it two stars though for effort, but oh, they were much like a Serbian film. They were trying to offend. And just when you try to offend to a certain point, it's, it just becomes not that offensive. Uh, a guy wakes up in bed with, with, uh, this other guy or naked and like, uh, and the guy gets up and goes, starts to explore the house, finds drugs and puts, puts the drugs in his pocket and tries to leave. Um, oh, and then as he keeps on investigating the house, instead of being smart and leaving, he discovers this guy that's chained up or whatever in the basement. Um, and he's been, you know, completely abused, obviously abused, and he's naked. So then we get, um, uh, the other guy that was in bed, he wakes up and, uh, puts on his clown outfit and then proceeds to, uh, rape the one guy that's already tied up and then ties up the second guy and then he kills the first guy and then he continually rapes the second guy. And, I mean, we're just talking, I mean, it is like, oh, it's, it's so rapey and gross and meant to offend. Um, I will say the actors in the movie, uh, I give them props for what they did and what they were put through because that could not have been easy. The special effects are quite convincing, like there are some gore effects in it, um, we actually at one point see a bottle going into uh, an anus, and you you see it from like the bottles coming in, and you see it like going in, like from inside the anus, and it's it's something else, it's it's something else. But um, oh, that's a one and done for me, and I should have known that when I bought it. But uh, you know, it's it caught my eye because it's limited edition and it's too extreme for mainstream, so I gotta watch it. But I I. It, it, that, it would have 
totally worked for me if it would have been shot on like 16 millimeter. It felt like it needed to be like this dirty, grimy shot on film, but instead it was HD video. And it, that was probably my biggest gripe because the acting was convincing. The effects were convincing. It was very, very mean spirited and just gross. Um, I mean, it was like, I would actually say that like it looked like there was like real real sex happening oh my lord it was bad i mean awful and that's actually one of the unearthed uh unearthed is their own label and this came out on the unearthed label which i believe i mentioned last week was part of the american guinea pig that they do the american guinea pigs well this fits perfectly right in there with them um my like i said my only my main thing would have been if this would have just been shot on film it would have made it so much better but as it ended on the ending was very um, hey, how's uh, it going? Can I be... Oh, I'm... Hold on, I'm wrapping up a review uh, here. I reviewed two movies. Um, yeah, so Torment gets a... Uh, I mean, for the, you sickos out there, go ahead and pick it up. It's on grindhousevideo.com, I believe, and maybe Diabolic might have it, but this is, like, pretty limited, and I believe that Unearthed Films is out of stock on it, I think, but I'll keep my copy just because of the limited run of it and just how completely batshit crazy evil it is, but it's I can't imagine I'll ever watch it again. Which means that Eric will probably inherit it at some point. Sweet. <laughs> can't wait. Uh, that's the anal... That's the, you know, that's the uh, rape porn oh, clown, clown thing. Oh, clown thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. good. So, okay. Oh, sorry oh, about that, but like, it's a bad week at work. It just... <sighs> okay, where were we? First Reformed, I think I was talking about. Yep. <sighs> you know, it, we got to wrap this up because we got to move on because we're on a serious yeah. time crunch today. But it, it's a fine movie. I just, I kind of feel like the ending, for fuck's oh sake. <laughs> <sighs> Sounds just like doesn't he's go. Be another movie here pretty soon. No, no the, the second <laughs> the second that I hit record, it's like I got to get texted by twelve people. I got to get phone calls. I got. I'm never as popular in the rest of my life as when I hit record. Anyway, uh, it, it's a fine movie, but I feel like the ending, it, it kind of, he didn't really commit one way or the other, in my opinion. Make a decision. Have an ending. And instead it was left kind of, could have been this, could have been that, don't know. Which, Here which you is go. interesting because I did think that how it ended, I thought, oh, well, okay, that's what happened. Like, But you, you brought up a good point because I'm like, oh, shit, I guess... I guess that could have been the one too. Like it, cause I just took it at face value how it ended. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Well, that. Yeah. Cool. You, uh, spoilers. You, you think that he survived. <laughs> yes. I think he survived and just gave her a hug. Roll credits. <laughs> He's just out there talking to no one. With the fridge door open. Why? We got <laughs> we got to soldier through this, dude. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like uh, that was an illusion. That's interesting, I, and I never thought of it that way. But I'm like, and then you said that, and I'm like, oh shit! Close the fridge door. He just can't not make noise. Anytime that he is alive and awake, his blah, 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 and I'm not making stupid noises. That's what he's saying. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, that shit drives me nuts. Um, uh. Yeah, I don't feel like he survived this. 
Uh, the ending was too weird. He wanted to die. He's sick. Uh, he he was gonna blow himself up for fuck's sake. He was gonna kill yeah. a bunch of people, which was weird. I I mean, like at least take the vest and throw it into the facility and bl- blow up the facility when nobody's there or something. But instead, he's gonna try and uh, martyr himself. I mean, AI. I guess, but he he still had faith, so that's not right it, within the confines of that faith. That doesn't work that way. Uh, and then he's wrapping himself in barbed wire, and then he's drinking Drano, and it's like, what is happening? I just, his leap to that conclusion was too quick. It, it was, it escalated t- too fast, where I was, huh, okay, uh, but, I don't know, I just feel like Schrader didn't make a decision. At the end of it, he, he has the Drano, and he's gonna drink it, and then he drops it, but she got in, how did she get in? The other guy, uh, uh, the other... Uh, Passer. Cedric the Entertainer tried to get in, yeah. and he couldn't because every all the doors were locked. But she just moseyed on in. How? Oh, that's uh, it. It made more sense that he actually drank the Drano and was it was an illusion. And that's what he wanted. That's my take on it. But whatever. Uh, anyway, it was depressing as fuck, and I'll probably not watch it again. It, it decently made, but uh, it's a one and done for me. Uh, let's get on to the next round. We've got to move right. on. Okay, uh, first up for you is Cop Car. This is the Kevin Bacon starring thriller. A small town sheriff sets out to find the two kids that have taken his car on a joyride. Directed by John Watts, who also made Spider-Man Homecoming and a couple other movies, too. Uh, actually, a lot of movies. So, solid director and solid cast. So, that's the first one for you. Second up is... Point Blank, and this is uh, the new one on... I believe this is a Netflix original movie, I think. It looks like it, at least. It is. Um, uh, this is from 2019. Hour and 26 minutes. There we go. To save his pregnant wife, an emergency room nurse teams up with an injured murder suspect in a race against time, rival criminals, and renegade cops. Starring Frank Grillo and um, Anthony Mackie, who's a very good actor. Marcia... Gay Harden. This is a good cast. And the director is Joe Lynch. Joe Lynch is the director of Mayhem and Neverly, Knights of Badassdom, Chillerama. He's, um, oh, damn it. I, uh, Hatchet director. I forget what his name, I feel bad that I don't remember that because I should know his name, but anyway, um, and Eric took off because he's dealing with kids. Wow. Oh, this this is a shit show here, folks. Um, okay, that was point blank. And lastly is Unlocked. Adam Green. Adam Green's his name. I, I I'm a movie freak. I should know that. I should know who Adam Green is. Unlocked from 2017. A CIA interrogator is lured into a ruse that puts London at risk of a biological attack. Starring Numi Rapace, Orlando Bloom, Tony Coletti, another really solid cat. Michael Douglas is in this. John Malkovich. Um, great cast. Great cast. And directed by Michael Apted. And Michael Apted has done a ton of stuff. Ton of stuff. Um, anyway. There you go. So those are your three. And he's just getting back. So Unlocked was the last one that I... It's it's all good. I don't need to hear that. Presented to you. They, they, they can't fucking be quiet. They're, they're just out there screaming at the walls. 
I opened a bag of bagels today. There's one left. Why? Because they keep making them, and the dogs takes them, or some sh- I'm guessing your wife is at work? Yeah. And I'm just losing my mind right now. Oh. (laughs) I kicked him upstairs. I... We can't have cream cheese. Just make your bagel and go upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> so the dogs are eating the bagel. I don't know what is freaking happening out there, but I'm about to lose my mind. Okay, uh, coming your way. This <laughs> kidnapping Stella on Netflix. Eighty nine minutes. Snatched off the street and held for ransom. A bound and gag woman uses her limited powers to derail her. Two masked abductors carefully laid plans. Uh, next up is the hole in the ground. We went over this one before. And Fear X. We went over that one before. Nicholas Winding Refn. Both those are on Canopy. Do you need descriptions of those? We've we've already talked about them. No, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, What do you want? Okay, I think that uh, that was a good good spread there. Um, Kidnapping Stella. Keep that on the list. Actually, keep all of them on the list. Uh, They all look good. I think that uh, I'll get the hole in the ground checked off my list, though. That looks really good. Um, I think the kidnapping Stella. I think that's subtitled, or maybe that maybe there's a dub option. But oh, is it? Neither. Hmm. I thought because I watched the trailer and it was it was in French, maybe or Spanish. I'm not sure. I just anyway. Okay, and I will take point blank. Good choice. I can't believe I, I had no idea that Joe Lynch was making another movie. Oh, I didn't know that he made that. I just saw that Frank Grillo was in it. I was like, I'm in. That's that looks, yeah, looked good. I mean, the director of Bad Astem? Heck yeah. Knights of Bad Astem? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, there you go. Next week on the roulette, it'll be point blank up against the hole in the ground. And let's move on to our second segment as we're rushed because kids are great. Uh, yep. Actor Spotlight, Michael Douglas. I've got eight movies on my list. How many do you have? <laughs> I'm going to have to go check on the kids. Or <laughs> go for it. If- <laughs> The hell with it. It's, eventually, it's just going to be a blank episode. We'll hit record, we'll say, hi, how's it going? And it'll be 90 minutes of nothing as we're just yelling at the kids in the background. I just hear banging. I'm like... <laughs> there he goes. And while he's off dealing with kids, I guess Bye. I could review something. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. Movie freaks. Uh, what can I talk about? Here's... <laughs> uh, I rewatched The Book of Eli. He won't give a shit about this, because he's meh on that movie, but uh, this movie kind of gets better every single time I watch it. I enjoy the hell out of it. It's, uh, Denzel being a badass, I guess he kind of is in everything, but Book of Eli, I really like the world that it sets up. I really like the ideas it has in place. Some of it's ridiculous, of course, but uh, who gives a crap? It's a post-apocalyptic, uh, happy, happy, fun time, and... and as long as Denzel wins in the end, I mean, doesn't that make everybody happy? Um, so, yay, thumbs up for me on that. Eugene, how's it going? <laughs> I like how we multitask when one of us is dealing with bullshit, the other one is quick, quickly reviewing a movie. <laughs> um, uh, how many Michael Douglas movies on your list? I have ten. Ooh, look at you. Yeah. Okay, you're up first. Uh, well, I got eight, so do ten and nine and eight. Okay. Uh, 10 for me is Falling Down, uh, and I, I watched this exactly one time in the theater, and I remember liking it enough, but being somewhat disappointed 
from what the trailer looked like to what the actual movie was, or I was expecting a a lot more action. And this was, if I remember correctly, this was a lot more character study with this guy's character, with him just kind of snapping and going crazy and just shooting, shooting shit up. But I remember very, very little of it, but I do remember like the, the poster art for it was very iconic with him just standing there, like this businessman standing there with a machine gun, if I remember correctly, or a gun of some sort. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, that's uh, 10 falling down. Nine is Romancing the Stone. And this is another one that I have not seen in forever. I, I watched it a couple times many, 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 many years ago. And I always thought that this was kind of the Indiana Jones ripoff that just, Trying to be Indiana Jones, but just not quite getting there. Now, having said that, I have not seen it in a long time, so I wouldn't mind a rewatch of that movie at some point because it's 80s, it's Michael Douglas, it's action adventure, and even if it is kind of a knockoff of Indiana Jones, that should be okay. So a rewatch will be in order for that one at a later date. And number eight for me is Coma. Uh, 1978, uh, this is starring the recently passed Rip Torn, and of course Michael Douglas, and this is a great movie. I like that it's, uh, it's, um, no, Michael Crichton directed this also, by the way, and he wrote the screenplay, but I like that there is numerous genres kind of mushed into this movie here. It's a drama, it's thriller, kind of a little bit horror, and, uh, very iconic scenery and, or not scenery, but just scenes in the movie of these bodies hanging. Uh, oh, it's such a good movie. It's such a good movie. I have this on Blu-ray and I need to rewatch it because it's been, it's been a little while since I've seen it, but I remember that my, actually my wife and I watched it and we were both like, wow, that was, that was really good. And it's pushing two hours, but big, big thumbs up. I don't even remember the role that Michael Douglas has in it, but I just know that he is the main star or one of the main stars and it was Great. There you go. Coma I, would be like my number nine, I guess, because I only watched it once and I don't remember much about it. It was, it was, it was fine. I didn't have any problem with it, but I didn't feel like it was remarkable enough to make the list. But number eight for me yeah. is uh, Grady Tripp, uh, the role he played in Wonder Boys. Did you ever watch Wonder Boys? No. Good movie. Uh, it's a fine drama movie, but he plays this kind of esoteric author. I think that's what his role was. It's been a long time since I've watched it, but uh, it was kind of weird and quirky, but in that wonderful Michael Douglas way, he can just pull off that kind of role, and I quite enjoyed it. Number seven. Number seven for me is Black Rain. And again, some of these here might be higher on the list if I would have watched them recently, but I haven't, but I have seen them, and I, I like them. And Black Rain is another one. This is a Ridley Scott movie, uh, in fact, this one here, I definitely, because it is Ridley Scott, I need to rewatch it. And it's on Amazon Prime, so that is, I now I've got no excuse not to watch it. Uh, two New York City cops arrest a Yakuza member and must escort him when he's extradited to Japan. Did, you've seen this recently. I kind of feel like yep. you reviewed this. Okay. Yep, I have. It did not, I really, I, it didn't make my list, but that's just because he's playing a, a detective and he, he does a, perfectly fine job, but he's played a, a detective several times in, in his career, and, and it's just a detective role. It's not like Seven or something where it really stands out of, of what's happening. He's a detective and he does detective things, and yeah. alright. It's fine. It's it's fine. Uh, it didn't make my list. Number seven for me is Hank Pym from Ant-Man. 
with the checkered past that that character has in the comics, as far as being a spouse abuser, uh, he brought an interesting performance to it. I, th- I thought he did a fine job, and uh, they didn't really address that from the books. And I, I hope they just don't... just. Forget it. Don't bring it to that character this time. That that was a thing from back in the day. Or if you do, I, boy, I don't know any way that you could address that situation that that it would be okay today. But uh, it, it was a good choice to not make him the main star. They went with um, oh the the follow up guy, the younger guy, to be Ant Man instead of Hank. But uh, anyway, he was good in that role, and I enjoyed it. Number six. Six for me is Fatal Attraction from 1987. Uh, once again, I, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but I haven't seen this movie in a long time, but he was great in this movie. Glenn Close, however, she kind of steals the show as the crazy uh, ex-lover slash, you know, the affair lady going on. But uh, I remember that Michael Douglas was very, very good, and he was, you know, his strapping younger buck self in the 80s, so... <laughs> Uh, and this, this was directed by Adrian Lynn and what else? That guy's done a lot. Of, oh, Jacob's, I, I was going to say there was a horror movie. I knew he did a horror movie that I really liked in that. Yeah. Jacob's Ladder. Yeah. Anyway, did you see the trailer for the remake of Jacob's Ladder? I did. I don't know what to think about that. I, oh, I'll give it a chance. Of course. I, eh, I don't know. Eh, yeah, I'm good. Exactly. Yeah. But I did, didn't care much for the original. Uh, number six for me is the China syndrome, Richard Adams. Have you ever seen that movie? Never seen it. It's a good flick. You should check it out. It's, I think it's 70s, though, so it's a younger Douglas, but uh, it still is a pretty sweet movie, and it has that 70s kind of uh, kind of feel as far as pacing and everything, and, and it's about uh, two reporters getting into a nuclear power plant at the time they're threatening a meltdown. Really, really enjoyable film. I, I quite like that movie. Uh, one thing I noticed when putting this list together, I have most of his movies on VHS, which is pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) Several of them that I have not seen yet. They're in my kind of, not honorable mentions, but I was going to talk about them later because I I picked them up because I'm like, oh, Michael Douglas, but I haven't seen it. Uh, I actually only own two of the ten movies that are on this list. Oh, man, I own most of of these. Uh, (laughs) Number five for you. I'm a fan. Five for me is Traffic. This is the Steve Soderbergh 2000 crime thriller movie. Uh, Michael Douglas was very, very good as a, if I remember correctly, he was a a politician and his daughter got on drugs and it was very, this movie was so depressing. I've only watched it once, Uh, but it was very good, very well made. I liked his character. I felt bad for his character with the shit that he had to go through with his daughter, being on drugs. Uh, But, and I, one thing I remember about this movie is, like, very sapia-toned scenes whenever we would go south of the border, if I remember correctly. like Extremely, whoa. obnoxiously yeah. so. And then the yes. other scenes were all blue. Yes, that's right. So it was blue and orange. There you go. Yeah, I was pretty meh on that. The movie was fine, but again, didn't make my list because he's playing... He's a politician in that movie, right? Yeah. I was... Again, one of those roles where just act like a politician. Yeah. Didn't make yeah. my list. Number five for me is The Ghost in the Darkness, Charles Remington. And I just rewatched this movie. I guess I'll review it now instead of recently watched because I, literally just yesterday or the day before I watched it, it was on TV. 
And uh, the movie itself is kind of eh, but uh, product of its time, weird editing, you know, that early 2000s kind of era, late 90s. But he shows up and he is just totally doing his Jack Colton romancing the stone kind of attitude. And I love Michael Douglas when he is that way. Uh, (laughs) uh, It's his role is great. His exit from that film is horrific. And it's what makes that movie kind of terrifying. It's a decent flick, even though Val Kilmer is playing a British guy and his accent kind of comes and goes whenever it wants. It'll show up from time to time and then just kind of, nah, then he's just Val Kilmer. But it's it's a decent flick. It's very interesting. I, I It's okay, but I really like Michael Douglas in that role. Uh, number four. Four for me is Ghost in the Darkness. Nice. Yep. Good movie. Saw it one time in the theater, so I haven't seen it for 23 years. <laughs> but I do remember really liking it, and I this was back when Val Kilmer was... I don't want to say in his prime, but he was still, you know, kind of oh, it, teetering this, on A-list. It was Pete Kilmer. Okay. Pete Kilmer. Perfect. <laughs> uh, but uh, Michael Douglas was, yeah, playing kind of an Indiana Jones-type adventurer character in it, and I, I remember liking it. I mean, I hate to say this, but most of these movies I like, but I haven't seen in so long, so I'm just kind of, did I like the movie or not? Now, the, now my number one and two, those were pretty easy for me to, to pick out. I understand. There's a fair amount of this list I haven't seen in quite a while, too. And my number one and two were pretty easy to pick out. So I, I agree with everything that you're saying, but trust me, our lists are backwards. Uh, Number four for me is Nicholas Van Orton. I was going to play the game where I say the character and you guess the movie, but we don't have time for that shit. Yeah. Uh, the game would be number four for me. And this was a very interesting role. For him particularly, because he's playing a sort of Gordon Gecko type from Wall Street, but not quite that much of an asshole. He hasn't, like, completely lost his soul. He just has been in a bubble, and he needs woke up, and that's what his brother comes in to do. Fantastic movie, and extremely underrated in the... Uh, filmography of uh, David Fincher. A lot of people are like kind of meh or shaky on that movie, and I think I, I've, I've been on that fan train since day one. That movie rules. Uh, number three for you. Okay, number three for me is Ant Man, and I echo everything you said. It, it's he's fine in it. He's re- actually he's better than fine. He's really good in this. Uh, it, it, he's overshadowed by obviously by Paul Rudd, who ends up being Ant Man, uh, but. The scenes that he's in are very, very well done, and I like to see that he is a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, it's good to see that he's still getting, you know, he's still act- out there acting. I like that. Number three for me is Gordon Gecko in Wall Street. I love this movie. That is my favorite Oliver Stone film. It's not the feel-good movie of the year, but I've watched it many times, and I... I'm looking forward to you rewatching it because I feel like it it holds up to these times. I the times we're in now as far as Wall Street running shit and and greedy businessmen and <laughs> whatnot. Um damn damn good film. And just again that that 
that flip negative film side of that Nicholas Van Orton character where he's just completely lost his soul. It, it's good shit. It's too bad that the sequel was so bad, but maybe one day I'll revisit it. Not likely, but maybe. Uh, number two. Oh, the, the, the kids are back. The kids are back, aren't they? I'm, I'm, I try to pass it over to you quick so that I can shut my mouth and then I can I, cut I, them out of it. But I can, <laughs> okay. It's just one. He's just in the kitchen. La, 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 la. <laughs> Go upstairs. I'm getting another bagel. <laughs> Seriously, whole bag of bagels gone. They're, they're gone. I, okay. <laughs> I mean, something something ate those bagels, right? I know you had one. Did the kids just devour a whole bunch of bagels this morning? No. It... <laughs> okay. Number anyway. two for you. Number two for me is Basic Instinct from 1992, directed by Paul Verhoeven, written by Joe Esterhaus. This is back when they were they were the big thing, and this is a great movie. Very sexy and. This was the leg crossing scene, of course, and Michael Douglas was fantastic as Detective Nick Curran in this movie. I really, really like this movie. Uh, I think that it holds up quite well. It is just smutty, sleazy, trashy fun. Uh, big thumbs up on the movie, big thumbs up on his character. That's a good one, and I think it holds up quite well. I don't disagree with anything you said, but again, playing a detective. Yeah, yeah. If we were doing Sharon Stone, shoot, that would be on this list for me. But doing yeah. Michael Douglas, he's a detective. Um, eh. But he's a damn good one. He is, and it's fine. He does a good job, but eh. Number two for me is Falling Down. And I have not seen this movie in forever, but I thought it was a signature kind of role of an everyman completely losing his shit. And so i that's what knocked it up the list for me, is that it was a little bit of a different kind of role, and I, I, you know, I dug it. It's it's somewhat cathartic for uh, the ever man who is sick of those day to day things that piss you off, and suddenly a guy just loses his mind. And whoa, don't you and I probably uh, we like this because yeah, we want to do this, and that's not mm-hmm. not healthy, not healthy at all. Nope. And you're number one. Number one for me is the game. That was easy for me. That I started at number one, and then I'm like, okay, well, that's definitely my favorite uh, performance of his. I, I'm going to try to just talk about his character because the movie is perfect. The acting from everybody is great. Everything about the movie is so good. But I loved his character and how he was just this, I don't want to say soulless, rich old businessman that, like you said, was in his own little bubble, but... He did it so well, and this, how he came, like, that whole story arc, how he came to the end, how things ended, and how he was redeemed was so good. Such a great movie. Sean Penn was so good in the movie, uh, and also, I'm looking on IMDb here, and there's a character that's, uh, her name is Ilsa, and any movie that names a character Ilsa gets an immediate pass from me, because <laughs> that's just a, if we would have had a daughter, I would have probably named her Ilsa. <laughs> She-Wolf of the Weavers. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, uh, number one for me was was very easy as well. It is Jack Colton from Romancing the Stone. I adore this movie. This was a staple of my childhood, this movie. Uh, while you're not super wrong on the Indiana Jones comparison, also, I, I never really 
felt that too much. It, it just, the, the big connection between those two movies is adventure. It's an adventure. And you got a kind of heroic guy that's going on an adventure. He's not Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones is a, a, a professor, and he's trying to get these artifacts for good. Jack Colton is a scumbag who is trying to get whatever he can for money. He, he it's, it's a little bit of a different scenario. It's also not set back in the day. It's set in the 80s or uh, mid-80s, whenever that movie came out. It, it, this movie totally holds up, I can tell you, because I've watched it a hundred times. It's fantastic, and I can't wait for you to rewatch it. It's so much fun, so many great lines, so many great performances. Danny DeVito kills it in this movie. Uh, uh, this is where I fell in love with Jessica Rabbit. What's her name? Kathleen Turner. Mm. Because I watched this movie so many times. She's in it. She is gorgeous. Uh, the role is, her role is great as well. There were a lot of jokes that as a kid went over my head and then I became an adult. It was like, oh, aha, I get it. Sex jokes. I oh, get it. Yeah, yeah, the good old sex jokes. But it's, was this a, a Zemeckis? Did Zemeckis direct this? I think he did. But that's the tone of my 80s childhood was Zemeckis. It was Back to the Future. It was Romancing the Stone. It was this kind of shit. If yeah, he you're right. Robert Zemeckis. You need to give this one another watch. It is awesome. Uh, I watched it with my wife. She hated it. Guess what else she hates? Uh, Princess Bride. She, oh! She hates shit from the 80s. Shit from the 80s, she's out. She just... She did not grow up in that time, so uh, it doesn't work for her. Uh, that's why, you know, it's wife safe and friendly, but if you're going to watch it with her, just know you might be having some Mystery Science Theater uh, oh, time. not might. I will oh. have Mystery Science. Yes. Yeah. That's why any more... That doesn't make sense, though, because your wife is my age. She <laughs> Isn't she? She's just not... Yeah, but she's just not a fan of 80s stuff. She does not like that era. Don't. Don't watch it with her because it is the 80, it's very 80s, very, very 80s. Yeah. I love it. And I think that on rewatch, you will as well. I mean, it's funny, like, like even, even, uh, Stand By Me, that is not set in the 80s, but it's an 80s movie. And even that one there, she tends to, like, the last time I watched it, I watched it with her and she, a couple of MST3K jokes, I'm like, eh, let's not watch that together again, please. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know. So after Princess Bride, I'm like, we're done. We're, yeah, yeah, I'm not even bothering. Yeah. And she hate. oh, she hated romance. She hated it. I, 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 w I lost my mind. I was like, are you kidding? This is perfect. This is one of those movies, uh, similar to Princess Bride. It's, it's relatively family safe. It's got some language and stuff, but you know, PG 10, yeah. uh, but yeah. adventure, action, comedy, romance. Like it's got every, it's one of those movies that's got everything. I adore, it's where I fell in love with uh, uh, Michael Douglas is Jack Colton. Yeah. So well, I want to give it a rewatch. I really do want to give it a rewatch because of how much you like it. And I, it, everything that you said, it's eighties adventure. I should like it. Yeah, I should. It is so. family friendly though. So bear that in mind. This is not a temple of doom situation. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand. Yeah, uh, I understand. That, that, that being said, I really want to watch falling down again. I haven't seen it in forever. I've wanted to rewatch it forever, but I just haven't come across it. And it's funny that, most of the movies on this list I have on VHS, uh, except for the ones that are really good or ones that are meant. Like, I don't, I have, oh, let's see here. China Syndrome, Wall Street, Falling Down. No, I don't have Falling Down. Romancing the Stone. Uh, I got them. Oh, 
The Star Chamber and War of the Roses are two that I of his that I have on VHS. I just haven't watched yet. Okay. War of the Roses. You remember that cover, don't you? Oh, yes. Yes, Iconic cover with Danny DeVito and Kathleen Turner, both from uh, Romancing the Stone, yet I have not seen it. And it's... I kind of recall that movie bombing pretty bad. Oh, really? I have no idea. That being a big box office flop. Yeah, and I know that you, on a previous episode, you talked about uh, Jewel of the Nile being a meh... It's so disappointing, because the first half of it is a great sequel to Romancing the Stone. You're back in. And then somewhere along the line, they just were, eh, we're on vacation now. And it just, that's how it felt for everybody. All the actors and everybody were just, eh, eh, and roll credits. And yeah, uh, it's, it's disappointing. It's quite disappointing. It still has a couple of good laughs and a couple of really good action scenes that are, are kind of worth the trip, but overall, and in comparison to Romancing the Stone, eh, it's not nearly as good. But okay. it's worth one watch, I would say. It's not a complete hopeless mess. Uh, so you should check it out, at least on that. Uh, okay. yeah, um, uh, honorable mentions. Or anything of that sort. Um, no. Nope. That was, <laughs> I mean, that, my top ten list is my top ten list. That's it. Like... The rest, yeah. <laughs> either I mean, I either haven't seen or I simply did not like. But I'm most looking forward to your rewatch of *Romancing the Stone* and *Wall Street*. You said you have never seen. I don't think I have seen. If I did see it, this was back when I was probably 18, working at the Video Connection, and I watched it and was bored to tears. But I promise you, if you watched it today, you would not be bored to tears. I, I would. Agree. And that same applies for, like, uh, Tom Cruise's The Firm. I kind of rem- remember seeing that once and being lost and bored, and now I have a feeling I'd probably really like it. Nah. Eh, oh, no? I've, I've rewatched that in the last year or two, and eh. I was pretty bored the first time, and I, I watched it again. I was pretty bored the second time, too. Okay. Lawyer movie. Not, not yeah. exceptional lawyer movie, in my opinion. Uh, okay. Uh, anything else for Michael Douglas? Nope. Good actor. <laughs> <laughs> Rip, hey, the top, top tier podcasting here, folks. Yes, it is. <laughs> nope. Good actor. Moving on. <laughs> uh, recently watched. Go ahead, sir. You're up first. Okay. So, I've got, uh, two movies in the theater and a television series that I completed uh, what do you want to hear first? Uh, you completed, completed? Completed. It's done. Let's start there. Well, we got to get okay. into that. Okay. Stranger Things Season 2 and Season 3. I officially finished that one up after your review last week. I'm like, okay, you've got no excuse, Eugene. 80s creatures, the thing, back to the future, everything. I'm like, okay, get back into this world. And, oh, wow, was I happy I did. This is so good. I echo everything that you said. Everything that you said. Season two, I think that season two was almost as good as season three. However, there was one episode that, and I understand why they did it, but when Eleven takes off and meets up with this street gang in a city, that didn't, I'm like, no, I get what you're doing, but no, that they could have cut that out. Yep. And that's why I put it a peg below three. That's it. Yep. But three, man, every, well, should we, okay. Yep, we're going full spoilers. Okay, season two, um, 
I don't know about you, but boy, that last episode with the uh, the high school dance, or the, not maybe not even the high school dance, the junior high dance or whatever. Um, I don't know why, but that that one there got me in the feels. Like that really hit me in the feels, especially when Eleven walks in and sees. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's what they do for the final episode of the season. Oh, they're yeah. Like, just this a- is this is kind of what they're they've set up. Is every season we're gonna kill a halfway main character and just enough for you to get feels, and then we're gonna do some kind of middle schooly emotional response thing for you that's gonna make you cry. Yeah. Yes. Exactly that. <laughs> oh man, I. Um... I don't know where to start. I, I season two. I love... Let's start with a review of season two, or, or okay. actually season one. I, feel... <laughs> I actually okay. So I didn't rewatch season one. I all I did is I just went online and watched like some like full spoilers just so, so that I could get kind of brushed up on season one, so I could put that in context with with what I was going to watch in season two. And I'm like, okay, I remember Eleven Escapes and uh, the boys. Sometimes I forget. Like I know Lucas is the the black kid. Uh, Mike Wheeler, is that, is that Eleven's boyfriend? Yeah, I think. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh boy, where do I even begin? So, Eleven is living with, uh, Jim Hopper, who, David Harborn is awesome. He's so good, and he gets better every season as the, not bumbling, but just the, just the drunken smoke, chain smoking asshole sheriff. <laughs> He's great. He's great in it. But, um, but he does have a sense of good. That's what. Oh, that's why he's likable. So. He, because even oh. though he's that drunken asshole sheriff, he's still he's good. You can tell that he only wants to do good. Oh, he's good to the point where I was reduced to a, to a puddle of mush with the letter that L has to read in the end of season three. Good <laughs> lord! Yeah, I'm like oh, <laughs> yeah. keep the door open three inches. I know, keep it open. Like I said, it wasn't his uh, quote unquote death, not death that that reduced me to tears. It was it was. The letter, it was them moving away. That was the thing in the yeah. end of season three. Because I had a friend that moved away in middle school. And I swear, everybody has to deal with that at some point in their life where it always seems to be around that time. You're in middle school and some kid has to move away. That's your friend. And you got to deal with that kind of situation. And that is what reduced me to a blubbering waterworks disaster. <laughs> yeah, and it, bega- it began. I'm going to jump around because I'm going to hit right. season three. I, because even in season three when... Uh, I want to get the, the the names right. I think du- is Dustin the um yes Dustin is the kid that has the walkie-talkie girlfriend. Yeah. Or the, the So uh, the only way that his girlfriend will give him the code for them to unlock the <laughs> Russian thing is to sing the Neverending Story, and they start singing, and then they actually start to include the music, and I'm like, ah, why am I getting emotional over this? <laughs> this is ridiculous, but I'm like, I'm kind of gonna cry about it. Touching. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, nostalgic. Yeah, that's what it is. Oh. But uh, season three was just, I mean, it was just a whole barrel full of nostalgia from Day of the Dead to Back to the Future. To, I mean, oh, they threw it all in there. It was, like, they doubled down on everything 80s in that. And I loved that. Loved that. Even, like, I'm not sure if you saw, like, the different movies that were playing at this. Oh, I did. The, the stuff, sir. Yeah, the, the stuff. Yeah, the stuff. I'm like, the stuff. Ah, oh, that's nice. Cause it, and it kind of fits in, kind of, with the creature. Uh, the thing. Of. John Carpenter's The Thing. How much did that yeah. play on that? Oh, a lot. Yeah. A lot. Um, hell, even um, the bad guy. I, I, I did like season three better than season two. And I just finished it not long ago, so that's the freshest in my head. But, um, 
uh, what's his name? Not Steve. Because um, Steve, <laughs> we're just going to focus on season three because <laughs> season three is so awesome. So Steve is, he works at an ice cream parlor now. <laughs> and he, he wears this just stupid as hell little, like, schoolboy outfit through the entire movie, every single episode, until like the very last episode and the very end, then he's. It makes not me really happy it. that you called it a movie because I did that last episode. Oh, wait, what? You, oh, did I? Yeah, you did. You called you, you called season three a movie. You, you said he wears it, it through the entire movie, and that makes me happy because I did the exact same thing last <laughs> episode when I was talking about season three. There were a couple of times that I referenced it as the entire movie because that's how it feels. It feels like a eight hour movie. And yeah, it does. So damn good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh man. Um, I want to. Okay, let's go back to season two a little bit. Okay. The uh, I, I couldn't talk to you about this stuff because you hadn't seen it. I feel like the uh, mystery of the drawings, uh, which ended up being the tunnel system. Mm-hmm. I thought that that, that was, was brilliant, and I thought that it was absolutely horrifying. I thought that 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 was the thing at the. Uh, in my review of season three and two, where, where I was trying to be spoiler free, I, I told you that um, it, it, each season as an arc unto itself, when they get to the beginning of the third act, the writers put the uh, the Duffy brothers, Duff, I think it's Duffy brothers, uh, Duff, or Duff, yeah. Duffer brothers. Duffer brothers, yeah. They, they put some char- some main characters into a situation that seems hopeless and... A- I, I can't even right now. Nope, you're going to voicemail. Uh, I I feel like they put them into a situation that is, I feel like, inescapable. Like, it's horrifying. And with, yeah. with season two, it was the tunnels, when they were trapped down in the tunnels. How in the hell is anybody going to find them? How in the hell are they going to get out of that? That is just, it was scary. Like, it freaked me out. It, it felt like a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was it with season three? Uh the Russians, maybe? They were trapped down with the Russians? Trapped down with the Russians, and that, same, yep, same here. Oh, oh, uh, when they were interrogating them. That's that's when it felt hopeless. Yeah. Especially because, like, man, these these Russians are beating the shit out of, like, pretty young teens. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Stephen was, Stephen Harrington is not that old in the movie. I mean, maybe he's, what, 16? In the movie again, you called it. Uh, ah, damn it. That's all right. That's fine. I, uh, did, I did the same thing. I so. I I mean maybe in the maybe in the show, but he he's probably yeah. twenty seven in real life. Yeah, who knows? I, you know I th- I think no that he, Steve... he had graduated high school, so okay. he was probably eighteen. Okay. I think that Steve might be my favorite character of the entire show. He's he's so great. He's funny, just a little bit kind of like just kind of I don't want to say dumb, but he has that you know little bit of huh jockishness in him, but. He's great. I love how his character has evolved from being a real prick to being a very, very likable character. Like, you can't not like Steve. He's just, especially with that stupid-ass costume that he wears. It's so funny. <laughs> but that's a, a, in my opinion, it's a testament, I, I agree with you, but it's a testament to the writing, because they perfectly captured, in Steve, uh, they perfectly captured that transition from going to high school to the real world. Uh, yes, what, exactly. What you thought was important before... Oh, guess what? None of that's important at all. And, yeah. and now you got to deal with real world adult shit. Yep, agreed. I, it's I I cannot recommend this show enough. There now I do think that I I liked the whole Russian aspect and the huge thing creature 
so much that I I almost wish they would have cut back a little bit on the whole tween like break up with him and how Max and Eleven are kind of you know conspiring about you know and they're I thought that was fair enough for the age group. Hey, I want to I want to correct myself on something. Uh, the impossible situation that they couldn't get out of in the third act that was not the Russians. It was when that giant monster thing was attacking the cabin. That yes. that is oh, where I yeah. was like, they're fucked. Like, how are they getting out of this? This there's no way. When that when it yeah. uh it oh, and then how gory was this season? Did you feel like this season was more gory than the previous? Oh yes, yes. When she was I mean, taking heavily, that thing out of her leg. Oh yeah. And very heavily influenced by, to me, not just John Carpenter's The Thing, but also The Blob. Yep. And I would even say, like, I got a little bit of deep rising out of that creature as far as, like, the, the tentacles sure. that are alive, like, with the snappy face things on the end. I'm like, that's, that's almost deep rising type creature there. I, oh, it was so good. It was so good. I totally will rewatch this entire, like, I would guess once season four hits, I could see myself just binging all of these again. Yeah, it, that's the the best thing I can say about season three is it made me want to rewatch season one again, and that's yeah. saying something because, well, like I said, you and I are the weird ones. We are the ones that were not blown away by season one, and then you know we uh, two better. I, three, I, I figured you would have the same opinion as me on two and three. Now, did you did you notice this? I think that this was probably the darkest subject matter of the three seasons, I think. But it was also the funniest. I, I think that there was more comedy bits in this one than the other ones, especially the, uh, oh, what was his name? The, uh, they called him the Bald Eagle. Oh, Hilarious. Alexei? The guy that can speak Russian and... Uh, oh, oh, yes. Yes, I loved him. <laughs> There's, like, I like every single character on this show. There's no character that I'm like, you're even the, even the one, the little girl that teams up, with uh, Dustin at one point. Oh, and I then, hated her. Yeah. I mean, but she Tor- did a fine job, and her character yeah, but, was great, but at the same time, I was so irritated, because she reminded she me was, of my sister when I was growing up. That's how my sister yeah. was. <laughs> but, by, but, but by the end, then she kind of comes around a little bit, and yeah. it just everything works. I really, I really wonder which direction they're going to take this, because as you saw, I'm sure that you saw the, the end during the credits of season three that there is still one of those creature things alive and well in Russia. Demogorgon. A de- uh, yeah, a Demogorgon. So the mind... Flayer. The mind reaper. Or, yeah, so there's the mind flayer. Is there a reaper or something? Uh, it- maybe. I don't know. There were little dog things, too, in season two. Yeah. I don't remember what they were called. But, but you- one of those dog things is now walking on his hind legs in season... The end of season oh, that's, three. I, I believe that's Demogorgon from season okay. one. Uh, but the the biggest takeaway from that post credit sting, which I didn't know existed because I finished the <laughs> I finished the season, the credits started rolling, and I, oh, I'm done. That was great. And then people online were talking about, uh, oh, the credits, uh, Hopper's still alive. And I was like, well, of course Hopper's still alive. He was on the other side of that laser force field thing. I, you know, I, I assumed he's alive. They're not going to take him out yet because they already had a major death. Yeah. Uh, and then you go to the post credit sting, and it's, Oh, not the American, not the American. Well, duh, it would make sense that he somehow got teleported to the Russian portal. That That's fine. I, yeah. That makes sense. That, that, that computes. Yeah, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, oh, well, Jim lives. Yep. Oh, yeah, I assumed he would. But how do you think they get all the rights to all this music? I mean, we're hearing Metallica, and there's some big bands that they are, and movies. Like, like okay, yeah, Day of the Dead, but Back to the Future? These are big 
movies. And this is licensing stuff here that they have to get, but I guess Netflix has deep pockets. Apparently. I mean, if if we're going to keep watching, they're going to keep paying and they're spending. And I think there was even a song somewhere. I, I read online that there's a song in there that was a from a cannibal movie, one of your cannibal uh, Holocaust or Ferox or something, something like that. I think it, it was, uh, there was something, there was some musical track in there that was a deep cuts, um, seventies horror thing. I, I didn't recognize it, but, uh, I'll take your word for it. That's sweet. Oh, cool. But there's so many references. How, how, you'd have to watch the entire season with a pen and paper to try and keep up with all of them. Agreed. I agree. Now, where do you, uh, where do you think this is going to go as far like, I heard that the next season is it. They're, they're doing one more and then they're done. I haven't heard anything about the next season. So if you've heard anything, you know more than me. I, I okay. haven't looked into it. or And it, where can they go? I don't know. I didn't think they could top season two because season two got so horror heavy with all those like hounds of hell or whatever coming after them when they were in that bus. Yeah. And and, and like it legit went horror. And I, I was like, this is so much better than season one, and I can't believe this. And then we go to season three, and it's so much better than season two, even. Where are they going? I, I have no idea. I were, In this one, they were, what, 1984 or five? five? 1985. It seems like they jump ahead a couple of years each time. Yeah. I. What if they go to, like, 89? Then you're talking about Batman being released. Yeah. And... Uh, Jason takes Manhattan. There's there's a lot of... You're really changing shit up at that point. But yeah. if they're going to keep making the show, they're going to have to get on it because these kids are aging by the minute. And you can tell. Yeah. You can so tell they're getting older. My biggest complaint about season three, I think, would be the uh, the main kid from season one. He just kind of was a wallflower. He didn't have a whole lot going on this season. He, he, wanted, to play, oh. he wanted to play D&D. Yeah. And... Yeah, he didn't do a whole lot. Now, he did, uh, every now and then, the back of his neck would tingle, and he'd be like, yeah. oh, the, my spidey senses are sensing the Demogorgons again. But he, he has aged, I think, the most. Like, he has, like, shot up. It, like, I'm like, whoa, he's getting tall. Yeah. I saw some interviews with uh, Dace, uh, wait, Daker Montgomery. That's the name of the, your oh, internal that hero. Beefcake, yeah. <laughs> uh, you should go watch some interviews with <laughs> First of all, he's Australian, and he's done a lot of theater, and let's just say he is acting his ass off when he is being 80s bully bad guy. I really liked oh. how they turned that character around, by the way. Uh, me too. At the very me too. Uh, You spent most of the arc of that show showing how he was, you know, the bully thing from the 80s. He was abused, he was uh, yeah. mistreated, and at the end, he came around to save his sister, and... yeah. That was that was that was touching. Very cool. Very yeah, good. It was. Very good writing. But yep, him him and the Baywatch deal and yep, <laughs> lots of Eugene would be seated right beside all those married women, just like, oh, is it time for him uh, to come out again? Here he comes. Do you like my new bathing suit? <laughs> <laughs> I need some SPF fifty on my back, please. <laughs> oh, it was great. Just great. <laughs> Okay, uh, over to me. I'm going to review three movies really fast. Uh, let's talk about Fast and the Furious, because everybody loves when I talk about Fast and the Furious. Everybody's sick of hearing me talk about this shit. Uh, the last time I talked about it, I believe I did four, five, six, seven, and eight. 
And this time, I because it's on Netflix, I decided to revisit part three, Tokyo Drift, which I've only seen once, and I said revisit that because people say it's oh, it's good, it's good. Yeah, it's, it, it's not good. It's Hi? fucking awful. It's terrible. Oh, oh I, I still, I mean, there, there's no way of coming around on that, huh? It's so not good. And you know what would make it good? If you took out the white people, which I think, I think that, I think that's one person in the movie, <laughs> but if he would get rid of, yeah, get rid of him, the this main would probably actor. be uh, decent, decent, but it's not. And it's him going, I go Southern, I'm, I'm probably making fun of a guy who's actually from the South and that's just his normal tenor, but, oh, it sounds like a Hollywood fake ass. This is what we think so- Southern people sound like. Well, I got to drive my car around, come with James it is so oh. bad. Every time that guy opens his mouth, I want to jump off a bridge. It was, oh, it was not good. And nothing in here makes sense. It's, <sighs> Han's like, yeah, you, oh, you're a driver. You can race them. Here you go. Here's my keys to my car. And then they go drive. And it's like, dude, you're awful. I mean, an awful driver, like not even close to being good. I'm not going to say it was a painful rewatch. It just, compared to the other Fast and Furious movies, no. You're the one that sucks. The one that everybody hates, Too Fast, Too Furious. I went and rewatched that one. I went and reversed uh, 3, 2, 1 on this. Because I've seen 1 and 2 many, many times, so I remember them very well. I went and watched 2. Is 2 still good? Yeah, it's still way better than 3. Is it silly and ridiculous and there's some bad filmmaking choices? Of course there are, but it's Fast and Furious. it's, It's ridiculous fun. I enjoy the hell of it. I don't know why everybody is so bent out of shape about part two. It's as silly as four, five, six, and seven. I, wh- what's the big deal? Why is this one singled out as being so terrible? Because there's like a lot of people say that's the worst one of the whole series. I'm like, what? I get into fights with people all the time. Every time I bring this shit up, everybody's like, no, 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 no. That one is by far the worst. No, it's not. I, I enjoyed the. <laughs> I watched. I've enjoyed the hell out of it. Then I went to part one. I, both of these I watched, well, yesterday. Uh, Fast and the Furious, the original, is dated. Uh, the styles are dated. Uh, but it's still fine. It's still totally enjoyable. And it's, it's the beginning. You know, you're, you're yeah. starting off. Uh, <laughs> I got to laugh when they're putting the decals on their car of swords and dragons and stuff. And I'm like, you are so early 2000s nonsense. Oh, yeah. Oh, good God. Even I'm guessing by now the cars are probably starting to look a bit dated as well or very much of that time because they usually have the state of the art cars in, you know. In right. A little bit. A little bit. They're. Yeah, they're. I, and here's another thing with with part two. If Vin Diesel hadn't walked away after part one because he thought he was going to be a superstar, and then we had to find a replacement, we would never have gotten Roman. And I yes. adore Roman in the later movies, in, in part two, but in the later movies as well. And if Vin Diesel hadn't walked away, we would not have gotten Roman. And part three, I, I know it's so weird that they retcon that the way they did, and the, the killing of Han doesn't quite work well because in part three he's like taken out by a just a random mercedes nondescript and then in in part six it's he's taken out by the villain's brother jason statham or something you know so it, it it doesn't fit in quite well but they wanted to keep using that han character which is great han's a great character 
Uh, it just, yeah. it's weird the way that they kind of retcon that and, uh, yeah, fine, whatever. And the whole cartoony silliness, Looney Tunes of the whole Fast and Furious business. Uh, yeah, I'll accept that. But, oh, uh, no, no, I feel quite steadfast on dying on the island that part three is the worst of the series. <laughs> I've watched it exactly one time and it was not good. I'm like, oh, come on, this is, ugh. It's got some interesting moments, but it's still just, oh, then that guy starts talking, and I'm like, well, let me tell you about <laughs> Fuck off. Wasn't he, didn't he have a little cameo part in another yeah. one where Vin Diesel meets up with him for yep, a bit? it was like seven or eight or something. Okay. And that's the other thing with part three, that's when Vin Diesel comes back. Uh, you know, hey, maybe I do need to keep doing the thing that made me popular. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. here's another Riddick movie. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. To, I'll watch them all again. And then that includes part three. I do want to give that one a revisit at some point, but. Uh, part four, in my opinion, is where they really got it back on track and really started finding their feet. And that's kind of the unsung hero of the. Entire the middle of the, that gap. Right, part. you're right of of the series. It's not as good as five, six, seven, eight. It's about the same as six, I would say. But it still had some fantastic action. I well, I posted that link on your uh, on your page mm-hmm. there. Awesome, awesome intro where they're like, let's just go for it. And it kind of pains me to even shit on part three because that was Justin Lin directed, right? So mm-hmm. and he directed some of the se- other sequels, right? Yeah, he so did. I, yeah. It's hard for me to really go off on him. He was trying to bring an Asian influence to it, a Japanese influence to it. I felt like with the drifting and stuff, it it really feels like the American character and that influence was forced on him, in my opinion. And I think if he had it to himself, he would not have had that in there. He would have just had Japanese people drifting and doing their thing with their uh, Japanese cars, and and that would have been great! It would have been fine! All that stuff is fine. I want a re-edit of that movie (laughs) without the American guy in it, and (laughs) it'll be decent. It'll be good. (laughs) Oh, I remember... I remember the accent, and then the... Oh, I just... It didn't fit. It didn't fit at all, especially with what came before, because you and I watched Too Fast, Too Furious in the theater, and we're like, yes! That was a good movie! A good shitty movie. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's. Don't not get it. Don't get us wrong. Yeah, we're not claiming it's high art. It's a. It's a. It's a. These are Godzilla movies. Yeah. You know, with cars. Right. Oh, and and I think I'm just going to continue the backwards uh, rotation. I'm going to go to eight next because I've only seen it once or twice. Uh, so that'll be next up on uh, coming soon. Fast and Furious Part Eight. Okay, back to you. One more round, um, and then we're done. Okay. You got like, oh, are you going No. Okay. Um, uh, Spider, I'll, I'll just do Spider-Man. I'm going to save Crawl for, I'm going to talk about Crawl a little bit more in, in depth, so I'll talk about that next week. Uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, thumbs up. I mean, it, a pretty big thumbs up. It, um, I really liked Homecoming, and this is kind of more of the same, although, uh, Steve and I actually talked about, we went to see Crawl together, and, uh, we talked a little bit about it, and I actually agree with him. The villain in, Homecoming, which was Michael Keaton's character, is significantly better than Jake Gyllenhaal's character in this. Uh, that's just me, um, but his character in this just seemed a little bit uh, whiny and emo-ish, kind of. Um, that sounds like Quentin Beck, though. 
Okay, and that might and see and Steve and I also talked about that is we don't know what this, the comic book character is like. Like I don't know what he's actually like. Maybe they nailed it. They may have nailed it. The special effects were great, uh, and I like how they how his character ties in, I guess, with this and how they're moving forward, how they're going now past what happened with the Avengers and they, they tie everything in very, very well. And then there is a really, really good mid credits stinger. And I guess that there is actually an end credits stinger as well, but I, nope, I'll watch it at home. I don't want to wait through all the credits anymore. So I'll stay through the mid credits. I'll see that zinger and then I'm out. But that mid credits scene was really good. And it like, okay, now I want to watch Spider-Man part three or whatever, Whatever Spider-Man is in next, I really want to see what, where this goes from here on out because it's very, very much a cliffhanger. I watched it. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a really, really good movie. Uh, some of the humor I thought fell a little flat, especially from, uh, now I'm, I'm drawing, oh, uh, John Favreau's, uh, Happy Hogan character. Okay. It just fell a little flat to me. It's there, kind of doubling down on him kind of being the uh, it's hard for me to describe like his dry sense of humor they did, overdid it just a, a hair in this one I thought but it's that's a minor minor gripe uh, MJ is great in it the, the characters are really good it's funny it checks all the Marvel boxes off fine Cer- certainly it's not the Avengers but it was good. I I quite enjoyed it. And, and my wife actually echoed my thoughts as, as well on our way home. She was like, that was good. She's like, and maybe it's because of our age, but I'm like, that is very, very, very teenager-like. And some of the stuff in it, I'm like, I get it. They're, it's teenager stuff, but I relate almost more to the Stranger Things stuff than I do this. Maybe it's because this is set now versus back in the 80s. I, that might yeah, be, sure. I don't know. No, no, that makes sense. But anyway, good movie. I liked it. You should check it out. I'm sure that you'll like it. I mean, it's Spider-Man. Yep, it's fine. I've read all the spoilers on it, and I'm, I'm up on it. I'll, I'll check it out. Uh, okay, coming soon. Let's wrap this up. Okay. Uh, coming soon for me is I will review Crawl in the next episode. And uh, Steve and I, were going to go try and watch the this Jim Jarmusch zombie movie at the Dollar Theater up here. Uh, the Dead Don't Die, I think is what it's called, with mm. Bill Murray. Uh, that's playing, so if we get around to it, great. Um, never thought I'd say that I would see the day that I would actually see a Jim Jarmusch movie in the theater. But this might be the one we shall see. <laughs> Hang on to your shorts, folks. Oh, what else? Oh, my Vinegar Syndrome package arrived. Two of which are going to be sold on eBay without even opening them. Um, the other one, Hellmaster, I watched and... Ah. <sighs> Yeah, <laughs> that subscription really paying off. Is oh it? man, it's it's the gift that keeps on giving uh, in more ways than one. <laughs> At least to this uh, show. <laughs> yes, and there was another one, uh, something about a Rottweiler dog, dog killer. I don't some killer dog movie. I don't know. Uh, what else am I going to watch? Wait, the one uh, with the uh, the guy from Terminator and Oh no 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 no, that's way too. High that's route. like that's like big budget. That's high. Like that's mainstream. Now this is. I some some movie with a Rottweiler from the seventies. I don't know. It's something. Awesome. Um, yep. And uh, that I think those are the main main. Th- oh, and, and then of course the Fast and Furious movies. Tonight we're gonna. I purposely 
wanted to finish up Stranger Things for the show, so we didn't start on Fast and Furious 6, but tonight, it is part 6. Nice. Well, I'm glad that you enjoyed Stranger Things. Oh, yeah, it was great. I actually am a bit sad that it's over. I could keep right on watching that. That's great. Well, at least you're caught up now. Take a little break like the rest of us, and then when yeah. season four comes out eventually, we'll... Uh, okay, coming soon for me, uh, I'm going to rewatch The Deer Hunter. I haven't watched that in forever. Uh, Oceans of Fire is some weird action movie I got on VHS. And The Apocalypse Trilogy. It's Apocalypse, Revelation, and Tribulation. Is some... Uh, shit I borrowed from the church library when I was a younger lad, and Jeff Fahey is in there somewhere. I found, I found, have you seen that? I think I've watched one of those, I think, and they're bad. Oh, they're bad, but I found them on VHS, the whole complete box set. And how could I pass that up for 50 cents? Uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, Those those churchy end-of-times movies, I don't know, I gotta kind of snap them up. Almost seems like that, you might want to check out that on eBay or whatever, that might be worth some money. Probably (laughs) not. (laughs) Okay, that's gonna do it for this episode, sir. I will see you next time. Alright, till then. Bye. Bye. for listening. Hey, if you want to get a hold of the Movie Freaks, you can get a hold of us facebook.com backslash moviefreakspod on Twitter at moviefreakspod. Drop us an email, moviefreakspod at yahoo.com. Intro music was public domain by www.rutgermuller.nl.